Welcome to the Climate Capital Podcast, where we interview founders who are solving the most difficult and important decarbonization problems in the world. Climate Capital, across our funds and syndicate, is one of the most active funders of early-stage climate tech in the world. This episode is led by Jenny, the GP of Climate Capital's BioFund. Today, we are delighted to have Marianne and Mark Eric, co-founders of Yalatex, with us. Marianne and Mark Eric, welcome. Would you like to tell us more about yourselves? How would you typically introduce yourselves at parties? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'd like to say that I'm the I'm a mother, a wife, um, and the founder of uh, of a very exciting uh, materials technology company that uh, can change the world in very many different ways. I'd like to introduce myself that I'm a co-founder and CEO of Shellotex. My passion is in nanofibers, and to make it happen. Uh, one of the key strengths is that I'm an engineer in my heart and scientist by training. What is it like building a company in Estonia? It's one of the, let's say, uh, some say it's new Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> in that sense that it's an amazing ecosystem for startups. Also, just to do regular business here, is also very facilitating. For example, Estonia is one of the only countries in the world that don't have company income tax. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really helps to, helps to make uh, things efficient, I would say. Also, uh, because Estonia does have uh, the most number of unicorns per capita, it's also demonstrating that it is a place where um, innovation comes from and where the great startups start from. Um, and I would say in our space, there are many companies in biotech, in climate tech fields. So let's say the startup community is quite strong as well. Not as strong as I would say IT startup community. So, you know, Skype, TransferWise, Pipe, Thrive, and these companies are from Estonia as well. So that's where the uh, most of the people know Estonia, but through through these companies. But I would say that the next wave will be climate tech, biotech companies for sure. Is there anything unexpected or unusual about you that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, maybe one thing is that we have actually went through quite a few pivots. <laughs> uh, we started with the company already in 2016 with a completely different uh, focus. Uh, in the beginning, it was to make um, eco-friendly leather-like textile. Uh, we made it from the nanofibers of gelatin. The idea was kind of use more the way abundant waste from the meat industries and give higher value to it. Uh, because of our own need, we developed uh, the fastest technology in the world for like. Um, spinning bio-based nanofibers and actually along the way um, we realized that this technology is our strongest asset we one of our professors in the university made um, made some first tests uh, in the tissue engineering field and from there we actually started to see that okay we should really put the focus there because with using this technology in various different applications we can uh, we can make an impact uh, in so many different ways. Uh, so we decided to pivot in 2020 um, 
a lot of focus goes right now on uh, cultured meat field where we make edible scaffolds, but also wound care, uh, bio-based filtration materials, and and many other. Uh, Mert maybe can elaborate a little bit more on those. So I think that's that's one thing that makes us maybe a bit different. How did you initially met one another and decide to build a company together? I was studying, I was working with uh, nanofibers in University of Tartu. I was doing my material science degree and uh, also working on nanofibers. Um, and at the same time, I, I saw, yeah, I was researching nanofibers in general and looked for different applications uh, for these materials. And uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the things to know a little bit about me is that my passion is taking something from lab and taking to it to masses, right? So that's why that's what that's what drives me. And but I didn't have the application end application in mind. So then uh, Marian at the same time was doing her MBA and was looking if somebody in the university is developing some bio-based eco-friendly materials. And then he found me and he she had a uh idea uh or i think i think it was like synthesized together uh, ultimately that we could use these materials for as a, as a little like textile so um so everything made sense the technology was there the market was there the impact that both you know drives both of us was there impacts let's say opportunity was there um and then of course in the beginning we went we had a slightly bigger team went through the you know your usual uh team arrangements <laughs> in the beginning in the early stages before founding actually a company so uh and then yeah we we uh, have been now together six years almost yeah working together building projects Seven, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> You know, they say that seven years is a kind of uh, thing that <laughs> you kind of break up or you continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this so is the year. Quite well. <laughs> mm. Seven years of partnership—that's incredible. Can you tell us more about the problem you're focusing on solving today with Gelatex after oh. all the pivots that you've gone through? Sure. Uh, so the main focus, what we are, uh, what the problem we're solving is that nanofibers are very expensive. So this doesn't seem like a, let's say, everyday problem, but ultimately it is, um, I need to rewind back a little bit now, is that if you think about a huge breakthrough innovations throughout human history, they start with material innovation. So I'll bring the example. First, polymers were synthesized. Now we have plastics everywhere. So plastics are polymers. Uh, Discovery, how to synthesize polymers, led to having polymers, plastics all around us. The next big uh, innovation was when we started understanding semiconductors. Semiconductors are uh, materials used in in our computers, in uh, computer chips, in telephones, everywhere. Now we have computers everywhere. They have have been miniaturized uh, down to ridiculous size and we have computing power never seen before, right? That's all enabled by material innovation. And um, 
we believe that nanofibers will be the next big breakthrough in human technology. So enabling industrial biotechnology to become a reality. And under this umbrella, we have these materials, um, sorry, these applications that we're working towards, which like we mentioned earlier, cultured meat, wound care, 3D cell culture. So all of them have this in common that they are, these materials help to support the cell growth and tissue formation. Right. So in wound care, we help to regenerate damaged tissue. In cultured meat, we are helping to grow a muscle tissue to be a um, edible product. And in 3D cell culture, what this essentially means is that whenever the new cosmetic or a drug is released on the market, first, you need to verify that these components, these ingredients are safe. So the, the first tests are usually done with the cells in labs, not in, in directly in humans, to verify safety. Or it's done uh, also in animals to verify that they are safe for humans before that the tests are done with animals. And what this industry needs, needs is to have a accurate 3D model that would mimic the behavior of a, a, a human tissue. And that is what nanofibers, our nanofibers help to do. This is unprecedented. This is not achieved so far. And uh, again, you need to grow the cells, form a tissue, and that's what our materials are for. So the problem we're solving is to enable uh, enabled, uh, these industries to grow, mature, and so we could have in the future, more sustainable and healthier and more eco-friendly world around us. But I, I want to add even a little bit to it or kind of bring this very broad picture here. So basically, like by enabling cultured meat, we actually enable enable huge amount of water saving, land use, um, greenhouse gas emissions will be reduced if we don't uh, produce the same amount of uh, meat that is today consumed with animals, but we produce it in the bioreactors. Also, like with uh, in the wound care, uh, we can uh, we can have like much, I don't know, uh, faster, uh, not faster, but more efficient uh, wound healing or less uh, scars, for instance, or um or reduce even like animal testing so there's there's so many different ways how this something that like sounds very like maybe like scientific or or kind of powerful like consumers it actually will be uh, impacting the lives of all of us so what exactly is nanofibers what does it feel and look like and how come it can do so many things for other industries Nanofibers are very unique class of materials. They are fibers that, like your original, let's say, micro or macro fibers, but they just have a fiber diameter less than one micrometer. And so usually a few hundred nanometers down to 100 nanometers, even in some cases, 50 nanometers. Just to put it into perspective, let's say on average, your human hair is 60 micrometers. So it's let's say 100 times smaller than a human hair. So, and because of the small size, they possess very unique properties, such as huge surface area compared to their volume uh, or mass, actually, to be more precise. This is 
this that we take advantage of that phenomena in cell culture where we have a lot of surface for the cells to attach and migrate into. Uh, also, this brings me to porosity. So we have uh, with nanofibers, if you think about their randomly oriented fibers, they provide a porous network. And that's, again, that's why you, where, how they are helping in these cell-related applications is to facilitate cell adhesion cell migration into the material and then ultimately tissue formation. So it acts as a scaffold, as a, as a, as a matrix for the cells to form a tissue outside of a host environment. Um, so yeah, these are how they feel like. They are essentially very soft, very, very soft material. Uh, materials. Um, they are non-movements, so you don't see, a, let's say, a structure there. You just see a loose fibers in some cases you but essentially it's like a membrane type of material depends a little bit on the fiber size the porosity and all that but it's it's a yeah, very flexible very soft very very strong material how do you make these nanofibers so we have developed a proprietary technology which is now patented uh in us and uh, about to get granted in other regions as well in Europe and in, in many other countries. Uh, it is a solution spinning technique, meaning that first, uh, the ingredients, and in many cases, it's a polymer. The polymers are proteins, they are polysaccharides, they are synthetic uh, polymers. They are in a powder form. So the first step is to dissolve them. Like sugar dissolves in water, all the polymers dissolve somewhere in some solvent, solvent system. Water is solvent as well. <laughs> just to put it into perspective. And the next step is to draw fibers from the solution uh, so the solvent will evaporate and we collect the fibers on the substrate. And uh, halo spinning, which is a way how we produce nanofibers, is a very very unique way. So we apply different forces uh, at the same time to this polymer solution in order to draw the fibers. And um, halo spinning is... To date, to our knowledge, the fastest solution spinning technology ever created, and that enables us to reduce the associated production cost, therefore making these materials more scalable and having a lower cost that would enable the use of these materials in the applications where it wasn't possible before such as household filtration, for example. Household filtration, very low margin market, and that, therefore, nobody considers some, let's say, bio-based materials because just plastic is so much cheaper, right? But with the use of halo spinning, these applications uh, will become, you know, reality. Thank you for explaining that. That was very helpful. If you look back to the past seven years, was there a defining moment for Gelatex that, now that you look back, you think, wow, that really... Is a milestone for what we've built so far. I feel at the moment it's actually very nice time <laughs> in that way that uh, we are very much seeing that the hard work starts to um, kind of prove itself at the moment. So, uh, you know, the, the pilots that have been with uh, customers rather like explore, uh, ex exploratory is the word. Uh, <laughs> 
um, are at the moment kind of entering the new phase when uh, there's like very specific targets and we're kind of entering closer to commercialization. I think that's that's maybe the most important thing. But I mean, yeah, there have been different different things in the past, like I don't know, getting a patent or getting a funding funding round where also climate capital participated and it was in 2021. Having our own uh, like proper office, growing the team, uh, yeah, many things. I would say in my in my head. Um, Shellatex wouldn't be like it is today if it, if we wouldn't have decided in 2020 to pivot the company. Uh, so that's, that's one of the, I would say, traps that many, maybe many start, uh, startup founders get, uh, trapped is that you are, you have your assumptions, you're building a product, you're so focused on a single goal, but then ultimately, if you would look, step aside for a minute and look at it from a distance, what actually the company is doing and does it make sense, then you understand, man, we're I mean, going in a completely wrong direction. And we understood that basically that nanofibers are so potent materials they can disrupt the world in so many different ways. Why to use it in a textile, which is, there are other uh, solutions there, but there are so many so, uh, applications. There are so many products which could benefit from nanofibers if they would be more accessible. And there is no other solution. And this is exactly what uh, Halo Spinning is doing. And that was the moment in 2020 when we realized that, and we actually, we had the hint, let's say, idea before that as well. But in 2020, we finally had a, we were brave enough to make the decision to abandon it because it's, it's, it's hard decision to abandon the customers that you have worked with, the, the, the projects that you're, you're, you're involved with. And take the best what you have built and that apply it to new industries. Um, but looking back, that was one of the wisest decisions that we have ever made. <laughs> in our case, actually, it was a little bit of, um, how to say it was helpful in that way that it enabled us a bit to like take the time off in a way. And there was this huge shortage of uh, filtration material for the masks. So we even had like for one month or two or something, we had a, like really like heavy focus on that. But that kind of, I think it kind of shifted our focus from what we did before and enabled us to, you know, look what else is out there and actually like realize the, the potential. So sometimes it's important to, uh, you know, step out of the regular path for a moment. Sometimes it's important to choose to do the hard thing. And when you look back, it's, it's all worth it. Can you tell us one more story of trying to do the hard thing as you build Gelatex after the pivot? I think the thing that in general is also hard for me is that uh, in the field we are in, you require so much patience. And as I'm somebody who is like constantly like, oh, let's sell, <laughs> you know, like I want to see numbers. I want to see money. <laughs> but you constantly are seeing only the money going out, but you need so much patience so that it would start to come in. 
I think that's that's something that is hard for me. But I have learned on the along the way to be more patient. I think the hardest, or looking back, what was the hardest thing when we look at other uh, startups in in our position is that I think we have amazing team that is now has this core team of let's say. 10 plus a uh, few uh, other members uh, has worked together now for more than a year. Uh, the dynamics is amazing. Uh, everybody has their own responsibilities, areas of expertise. We complement each other. Uh, in my mind, like Shellatex is running like a well-oiled machine and actually looking back, putting this together uh, or achieving this is very hard, but we were, I think we made some good decisions back at the, when we started expanding the team and we chose some of the people very right because of, uh, very correctly because of their personalities and their, and their, uh, let's say, uh, work ethics as well. Um, so I would say to summarize, Putting together an amazing kick-ass team has been one of the hardest things. How big is the team right now? 11 it's, people. Yeah. If you were to build Jalatax from the ground up all over again, beside the pivot that you've made, is there anything you would, you would do differently? There is one thing, but this is very, I mean, without the context, it's very hard to understand, but... I would have uh, certified, uh, ISO certified our production way earlier than we right now are planning to do that. Uh, let's say the focus of vertical uh, expansion instead of horizontal expansion would have been something that I have maybe made differently. Meaning that um, as a platform technology, there are so many opportunities. So we could, I mean, to date, we have standardized 41 products. We could standardize with at least 400 products, which are very yeah. all unique. Um, so instead of uh, expanding more and more and more, we, you know, some time ago, started, uh, took a very hard course on uh, commercializing those products, taking these and focusing on these platforms and taking these forward. But one of the things what could have been uh, differently and maybe resulted in maybe fewer deals, but at the same time, further deals already would, would have been when we would have, again, certified the production earlier, which is like mandatory in our, well, not mandatory, but in helps a lot in our field. So this is, let's say, something whoever is building a platform technology crucial to find the first market, first customers where you could start making revenues very early on. With so many possibilities, how did you go about figuring out which product to launch and test, especially in the early days when you know so little about your market and customers? There is a, uh, quite a lot of kind of testing you have to do also with, with the customers, but one of the things that we always definitely consider as well is the opportunity. Um, but overall, I would say the market in a way decides. Um, for in our case, even though it seems like uh, there's so many different opportunities, then uh, having another material platform is not that difficult task for us. So uh, 
the product doesn't matter the the market or the final application is relatively similar yeah and of course when after pivoting the company we had i mean if you look at just where nanofibers are considered nanofibers in general not nothing new materials they just don't get commercialized because they're expensive so if we look at uh, publications, scientific publications in the field of nanofibers, you see applications in filtration, in energy storage, you know, in uh, supercapacitors, electrode materials, um, even uh, even fuel cells, uh, battery separators, cosmetics. Then we have all these cell-related applications, cultured meat, tissue engineering, um, replacing animals, uh, testing uh wound care, wound dressing, uh, of course, we have more complex, let's say, tissue regeneration uh, applications. So, so many different even applications and plus, let's say, 20 different materials for a specific application. So, the, we didn't have a problem that we don't have options. <laughs> let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. Uh, so, we did a very thorough analysis, looked at different markets. We did a let's say SWOT analysis, uh, looked interviews at market sizes, customers. interviews with customers, uh, tested different, looked at the capabilities from our side as well, looked at the profit margins, looked at the volumes, looked at the market entry barriers, looked at the regulations, and then made an educated guess that, um, that uh, made a decision to to focus on these applications where, where we are focusing today. And I think this, this has been a um, yeah, very wise decision. But majority of the uh, focus at the moment is on anything that is connected to cell culture and like tissue engineering. Um, so, and one of the other reasons why it is so is that there we actually see that our material besides like providing this like regular kind of nanofiber um, benefits uh, and also like mm, better profit margins compared to some other technologies, then uh, uh, it actually has some really unique uh, material like structural properties, uh, which um, have even provide like provide better, uh, better products, basically better final products in these fields. So we actually can not just do you know, more affordable than nanofibers or more accessible, but uh, even make them better. So what's next for Gelatex? What's on the horizon for you all? Of course, yeah. Uh, faster and bigger. <laughs> I would say that the next step for the main, main milestone for us is to have a certified production facility. It's we call it pilot production, but actually it's we already have pilot production today. It's just will be the first certified pilot production facility that will uh will set up with the upcoming investment round that we are raising at the moment so and that enables us to yeah already basically produce clinical materials that will be almost immediately sold on the market and put into patients so the hard work has been done the the future for Shellatex looks brighter than ever, and uh, the team and all the close friends and stakeholders of Shellatex are are very excited about the future. So, of course, whoever feels that their passion might be also in nanofibers, then we're always welcoming a uh, both 
uh, bright heads as well as uh, partners as well as investors to join our, on our mission to make nanofibers as mainstream as some other uh, materials are today. What has been the most helpful advice you received as a founder? Maybe, <laughs> maybe that in the end, like, I mean, you can ask men from mentors or advisors, but in the end, you are the one who is responsible and has to make the decision and also trust your gut feeling. Yeah, over the years, I have had many mentors on, on, on our journey uh, of uh, growing shell techs and what has kind of shaping my views as we're moving forward with Shoutex is that we are here to make an impact, not only to have a product on the market. We really want to make a change. Um, so we start looking when the customer comes to us and they have a specific interest. We never see how okay, okay, we can solve this problem by having this material that would have these marketing benefits. And this is not because nanofibers are always very, let's say, marketing friendly materials. So we in depth look at how the science backs the, the performance of a product. And we start by there. So we go very in depth, I would say, with each product, with each project that we have. We do a thorough work, we do a thorough research, and we never be superficial. So in that sense, being with a background as I have, it's also shaping kind of the, the approach that we take with our customers. So to be thorough, to be very uh, science-driven, uh, science-backed, uh, and at the same time, being very transparent and with all the other values that we have at Shoutex. So <laughs> it's, it can be a little bit vague what I just said, but my point is that we want to be thorough. We want to be really make a change. We really want to make an impact. And this is, this has come from the, uh, one of my mentors and, and that's how we build Shoutex. Last but not the least. Anything we or our audience can do to help you as you continue to build gel attacks? Always follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, if you are getting excited, what would you reach out? We, we, we respond to every inbound that we get, either it's through social media, email, personal connection. And just let's make this great future a reality where hopefully the health industry, the personal medicine industry is reshaped with the use of high-tech materials. The, um, our food in, in the form of meat will be produced completely differently and, uh, and drops and other specific ingredients developed will reach market without killing anybody, without harming, without harming anybody with a reduced cost and with more efficient performance. So let's make this amazing future a reality. Thank you to everybody for listening today. If you'd like to learn more about our conversation or to get involved with the work that Climate Capital is doing, you can check out our website, climatecapital.co. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.